You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. All right, I'm here with Jordan Harbinger from The Art of Charm, and he's going to tell us what the Art of Charm podcasts are all about. Go ahead, Jordan. Hey, sure. So thanks for the opportunity. Basically, what we do at AOC, this is the show that we wish we had 10 years ago, and I'm 34 now. So there's a lot of folks that are 20s and 30s, and we, we look at how we live our lives and the way that we do things. And it's always, it's always that if I had known, if I had only known. So what I'm doing with the art of charm and what we're doing as a team here is we bring together the best minds in pretty much every industry to teach people how to crush it in life with their relationships at work, etc. So it's like having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing all their research and testing and tough lessons, school of hard knocks or otherwise, into a curriculum and we're very practical, which is great for your sort of scientific audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. This is great for networking, for uh, just learning some some personal skills that you can use on the job and uh, and for finding jobs and, and your relationships with people. Yeah. So we talk thing about things like we talk about things like body language, the way you sit, stand, walk and talk, networking, how to follow up with the network, how to be authentic when you're creating relationships for work, because a lot of people think networking is like, here's my business card. Give me a call when you want to buy a used car. And it's like, no, it's about giving. It's about relationships. But since people don't have a game plan, they kind of ignore it. And especially in your field, they're probably thinking, oh, I really hope my work stands up for itself someday and I get that promotion. And it's like, well, it's all about who you know. And you can either say, oh, it's all about who you know and I hate that. Or you can be like, thank goodness it's all about who you know because I'm never going to be the top of this industry until I, until it's too late for me to care, right? <laughs> right, right. All right, so go check out the Art of Charm podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts, and you can find them also on www.theartofcharm.com. Welcome to Profiles in CRM, episode 13. I'm your host, Chris Webster. Profiles in CRM asks CRM professionals eight simple questions. The answers vary wildly depending on their experience and education. Because of the nature of contract archaeology and how small this field really is, some people choose not to reveal their name or the company they work for. Stay to the end of the show to hear how you can have a chance to answer these same questions. All right, we're here on Profiles in CRM, and here's the first question. What is your name, and who do you work for? I'm Stephen Wagner, and I'm unemployed, which is... Probably all too common in CRM. <laughs> all too common, but you're unemployed almost because you chose to be, sort of, because you moved uh, You moved to Canada. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did willingly uh, leave my former position and uh, uh, moved to Canada to live with my wife, um, which is a nice change of pace. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not it's not because the project ended or anything like that. Um, and there's the uh, there's the ruckus cameo that we've all been expecting. Anybody who knows Stephen from the CRM Archaeology podcast, how long have you been working in CRM? Uh, I think my first paid CRM job was in 1995. Um, that you know, field tech uh, digging shovel tests over by the Mississippi River, um, and that that was like a one week gig. Um, then off and on with uh, grad school and, and other stuff. Um, you know, before that, I'd, I'd done some work study stuff, but I don't know that that necessarily counts as CRM. It was within the college setting. So these first few questions try to establish sort of a baseline to to give the 
the final question, sort of some context. So um, that's what this next question is about. It is what position do you usually have in CRM? Like, you know, and I know the answer to this, but for the listeners, uh, field tech, crew chief, principal investigator, project manager, um, and what is the highest position you've ever filled on a CRM project? Well, the past uh, 10 years, I've been uh, the uh, kind of ch- kept changing the name on me, but uh, basically the job duties are the same. And, and I was the uh, um, cultural resources project manager. Um, and uh, it, basically that it's kind of part PI, but also um, a lot of working with the uh, client and advising on cultural resource requirements and necessities and, and, and stuff like that, as well as, just kind of the managerial stuff, like uh, dealing with some of the logistics and um, planning and stuff like that. And now you're uh, president of Stephen Wagner Incorporated, right? Well, right now I think I'm um, <laughs> cat valet to uh, Ruckus, Q Ruckus. So um, it doesn't pay well, um, but it's room and board. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> All right, so where have you worked? Where in the United States or you know Canada? Where, where across this... Uh, continent have you worked um uh mostly the midwest and and by the midwest i mean like the upper mississippi midwest um most of my work uh paid work has been in uh minnesota wisconsin and iowa um i've done some like excavation in illinois but i want to say that was all volunteer and then i um i I did uh have a couple months of work in uh Northern Indiana, and another few months of work uh, down in Georgia near Savannah. All right. What is the best thing that's happened to you that's related to being an archaeologist? And, uh, you know, take this anywhere you want. It can be something archaeological related or, you know, some people meet their significant others on digs and stuff like that. So whatever you want. That's really tough. Um, yeah. And like horribly, you know, philosophical. That That's it's almost kind of the career equivalent of like, what's the best thing you ever found? <laughs> um, which, right. You know, how, how do you answer that? That's um, the best thing. Uh, the best thing is um, it, it, it can be a challenging uh, position, um, you know, physically and and like planning wise. That uh, uh, I've been lucky in that my career path is has been there's been always something new, and it, and it's never gotten to the point where it was all basically wrote. And, and so it all, it always takes, uh, there are always new challenges to figure out and, and address and, you know, um, uh, play, ways to grow, I guess. Um, versus, you know, I, I know that a lot of positions are, you know, you're, you're out there doing the exact same thing time and time again. And I've been really lucky about that. Um, that, you know, professionally, uh, the job is forcing me to continuously improve. Um, that and it's paid my bills for 15 years, so I, you know, can't really complain about that. Um, that's a that's a good answer, and it's something. It's not an answer we've had yet, which is interesting. Um, I like I like that. So, what is the biggest thing that you would change that would make being a CRM archaeologist or just an archaeologist in general better? What, what what's something you would change about the field or I don't know, maybe your personal circumstances or something that would make doing this easier or better for everyone? Um, 
that's tough because a lot, a lot of the problems that we have uh, within the industry are, you know, kind of outside of our control. You know, we have winter. Um, things slow down during the winter or, or worse, you're, you're out there in the winter and, and conditions are bad and it's really hard to do good archaeology, um, you know, when it's really below freezing and, and stuff like that. You know, I, I guess one thing, and, and maybe this isn't as, you know, like a job perspective, um, is that uh, we, you know, like part of, at least within the U.S., uh, part of part of um, CRM reviews, you know, we're out there and we're supposed to be doing, um, you know, assessing the effects of federal undertakings on on, on historic properties, and we hardly ever do that. Um, you know, there isn't really a lot of guidance um, about, you know, is this undertaking going to adversely affect the property or not? You know, basically, at least within the archaeology um, sector, we're so focused on the archaeology that, you know, we go out, we find the sites, we evaluate the sites, and, you know, hopefully we get to mitigate the sites. Um, but we don't really talk about, you know, okay, th this site is a meter underground. How badly will, like, uh, timber harvest affect it? Um, there's not a lot of guidance about that. Um, there is some. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see some reports from, uh, like, DOD Legacy Project or program. Um, but it would be really helpful to, you know, just have things to help assess, like, the actual effects of the undertakings and, and not just, you know, go into everything assuming that, oh, there's something, there's an archaeology site there, it's eligible, and therefore it's, you know, the project can't go here. Um, and, and that's not really, you know, like a, a job perspective, but uh, it, it is, I think, one of the challenges that, you know, we have to deal with. And it's something we hardly ever talk about because um, I, I, think, I think it's, like I say, you know, we're so focused on the archaeology, we tend to talk about archaeology and, and not, you know, what we're actually doing out there. Um, if, if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. That's a good answer. Um, all right, let's move on. What is your career goal in CRM? And I'm interested to hear this because I don't know how long you've known you were going to give up your job in Wisconsin and move to Canada, but I'm sure your goal's changed, maybe. Oh, it, it, it's been inevitable. Um, Has it? Yeah, well, I, I mean, the, yeah, you know, my wife's um, from Canada, and it was kind of assumed that she would be wanting to go back closer to her family eventually. So that's not, you know, um, how, how that played out with my work, you know, that, that was up in the air. But, you know, the, the idea of moving to Canada um, was always kind of a possibility. Um, so, yeah, uh, career goal. I don't have one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and I think... You know, a lot of it's been, you know, like I've been pro the project manager, program manager, um, PI for, you know, 10, 15 years now. Um, and, and I've done some really great projects and I've done a hell of a lot of work. And as far as like things that, you know, like I don't have anything to prove really. Um, and, and I'm at the point where, 
you know, things that force me to do a better job, you know, I'm up for that. I, I am thinking about going back to grad school for a doctorate. Um, I don't have a doctorate. So, and, and do you want to, do you want to teach or do you want that for some other reason? Just, just because I, I want to be a better archeologist. That's good. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and, and, you know, just doing the statement of intent and all that has forced me, um, it, it kind of changes the way that you think about archaeology and, and, you know, I have a ton of experience within CRM and, and there it's, it's a whole different set of challenges and stuff like that for, you know, um, just being an academic student, not even teaching. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, professionally having, having doctorate can, maybe not always, but can, um, you know, expand like potential employment opportunities further down the line. Um, but I have no delusions about, you know, the job situation in, in, in the academy. I mean, you know, we, we complain about the job situation in CRM and I, I think it's way nicer in CRM than it is in the academy. Um, yeah, probably. You know, especially since I'm going to be pretty limited about, you know, being able to move. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here for a reason. I'm here because I want to, you know, <laughs> the same country as my wife, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the goal for it is to build upon what I've already had to learn and, and already done and, and, and worked with, uh, you know, throughout my archaeology career and, uh, you know, maybe make um, contributions to, you know, archaeology in a way that, uh, um, you know, that, that I haven't been able to because I've been so busy just, you know, knocking out the reports. Um, yeah, so as, as far as, like, career goal goes, I don't know that I have one. Um, it, it's, it's, I would say, just let me interject, it sounds like your career goal is basically to stay an archaeologist, you know, oh, yeah. and do whatever that means. I, I think so. Um, and, and part of that is, is, is a comfort thing. Um, I've been an archaeologist. Uh, I, you know, it'd be nice to see that continue. Um, so a little bit of ego in, in there, I think. But, um, but you know, at the same time, I think that we tend to over-categorize ourselves. But, you know, and, and I mean, in, in our talks about like the CRM podcast, I'm always, I'm always the guy like, you know, it's not just CRM. You know, right. like, like, like I, I think that we have an over- perspective, especially, you know, I, I think both sides of the uh, dichotomy um, tend to be, you know, it's us, it's, it's, we're focused on academic archaeology or CRM archaeology, you know, and, and those guys over there are, are doing something weird. Um, and, and there are differences and, and, you know, we're not, can't, can't argue against that, but I, I think that selling yourself as a CRM archaeologist is limiting what you can do. Um, and, and and likewise, being, you know, like intentionally focusing focusing on being an academic is also limiting what you can do. And and there are some things behind it because other people will try to limit you and, and keep you in those boxes. Um, particularly if you're trying to branch out to the other side. Um, but I think that for the most part, it's like you know we're archaeologists, and and beyond that. 
um, and, and uh, oh, who was it? it was, I think it was Jane Eva Baxter. Um, she she had a a blog post on. Oh, don't even remember. I think it was on Savage Minds, uh, complaining about how you know she's an archaeologist, and that sometimes that even you know the archaeologist label gets a little confining when you know the interesting research questions that you can contribute to as an archaeologist are actually broader social science questions, and and so in some respects I think that we over categorize ourselves and, you know, kind of box ourselves into CRM or the Academy. But at the same time, I think I'm beginning to think that we're over categorizing ourselves and limiting ourselves by like, you know, archeology span is the only thing we do, you know, even especially in CRM, that's not the truth at all. You know, uh, we do a lot of, uh, ethnographic stuff. Um, you know, you do traditional land use studies, you do, um, you know, working with consultation, consultation is going to be the thing. And, 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 you know, if we're so lit, so focused on doing, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, you know, that becomes a side thing when really it, it should be, you know, a primary focus and that, you know, that we are, um, and maybe it's better to think of us as social scientists rather than just CRM archaeologists, um, which, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, I, the work I do is mostly archaeology and it's mostly within the CRM, you know, sector. But I, I think that um, if we think of ourselves that way, we're kind of self-limiting. Whereas if we think of ourselves as, you know, on a broader social science level, then even if we're only doing archaeology within a CRM you know, setting, it, it, it frees us up in approach and, you know, the flexibility to deal with stuff, uh, especially career-wise, because I don't know that there is, um, and, and this is why I have problems at answering something about a goal in my career. I, I don't think we have um, so much as you have projects and, and you go and you do your project and you get it done. And hopefully you learn something from it and hopefully it's, it's a productive product for society and, and, you know, what the client wants and, you know, um, and it meets all the, uh, necessary tick boxes of, uh, of employment. But, you know, like I, I went there, I was project manager for 10 years, um, five years before that I was field supervisor and it's done. Like I don't have obligations there. Um, and I'm going to have obligations in other, other directions. Um, and, and provided that I get to use my skill set somewhat and expand upon my skill set somewhat, um, provided it's interesting and pays the bills. I, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's time for another project. Well, that, that's a good answer and it's very broad and it's interesting to hear you say that knowing what you're, knowing where you've been in CRM and what you've done, because I think uh, you get a very different style of answer for somebody who's, say, a field technician that's only been doing this for a few years. Because uh, some of them don't even see themselves as uh, as archaeologists, let alone social scientists. They see themselves as 
you know, just out there doing a digging holes or, or walking lines and, and stuff like that. So it's something I tried to change when I was a field tech is making these people think of themselves as scientists. They might might be doing, you know, developing the research questions, but they're, you know, extracting the data from the sites. And, um, you know, you got you to gotta think of it that way, I think. Right. And, and up here, um, you see the term, you don't, you don't see the term field tech so much, um, at least, you know, from what I've been talking, but they have like field assistants. And in some ways, that's almost a better expression um, because it's, it's like, you know, and, and, and I'm kind of guessing because I've, I've never worked in this field, but, you know, you, you talk about like lab science, lab sciences, and the entry-level positions are, you know, you're preparing the culture. You're preparing the lab. You're, you know, you, you're not the PI. You're not running the project. You're not doing the experiments, um, but you kind of are. And, and it's incredibly boring, and it feels like you're washing dishes all the time, because you are. And, and, and that's, that's the notion, and, and, you know, and, and some of our discussions on podcasts kind of go that way, right? You know, it's that I'm always like, you know, I realize that there is pretty close to no upward mobility now in the industry, um, that it's really hard to move up. Um, because you got a bunch of you know thirty year olds sitting around being being field techs, you know, and they have their master's degrees because there's nowhere to go. Um, so so right now there's a crazy bottleneck of upward advancement, and and you know even sideways advancement. I mean, they're just advancements really tough to do. But you know the perspective that I have, partly because I was a field tech in the mid '90s and, and late '90s. Um, it is more that, you know, that digging shovel test is not the career. Digging shovel test is, you know, the beginning of the career. And you start out washing the dishes for the, for the lab and you work your way up. And, and that the idea that you walk out of undergrad or grad school or, or, you know, out of school, you walk out of school and you get handed a career is, or, you know, a permanent job I think has always been unrealistic for archaeology um, and continues to be that way. That that if you expect to be doing at 35 what you were doing at 22, it's probably not going to happen. And, 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 you know, a lot of it, some of it's mileage. Like, you're going to be beat up if you're digging shovel tests every day. Um, some, some of it is... Like what, like what I was talking about earlier, that, you know, after a certain point, you just clock in, you dig your holes, you go home. And, and it's not mentally challenging. It's not that interesting. It's because um, you don't see, you don't necessarily see the byproducts of your contributions. You know, I, I mean, I, I appreciate the work that every field tech I've ever worked with. Well, almost every, but, you know, the good ones, the the ones that actually try, um, you know, I appreciate their effort. You know, I mean, because the projects wouldn't happen without them. I mean, clearly, that you know, we're a very labor intensive um, industry, and you need that labor to do it. You know, we we should move on to the last question because I think what you're talking <laughs> about here. Well, I I honestly think this could be an entire episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast, sort of talking about what it means to have a career in CRM. And because I've heard other people say one of the things they like about being an archaeologist is that, and, and this is true for myself, is that you're not limited to one 
path. It's not a single stick that says go from here to here like some industries are. Like there's a clear progression. There's a, a multi-branching progression that you can do. I mean, you can write books if you want. Not that that's incredibly lucrative. You can do um, you can do other things basically. You know, if you just keep your options open and you're you're willing to put forth the work to sort of find those other options. Well, I I would agree. Um, and and you know, I I should put out there that I I know some people who are, I mean, I mean they're kind of beyond the field deck level. They're, they're like kind of at the crew chief level, but they don't necessarily have that you know grad degree move on and i know people who are happy in that position and, and you know they've been doing it for however many decades and they're happy doing that and and you know if you can make it work and you're happy doing it you know more power to you that's you know that's awesome um but i've also seen a lot of people drop out because you know they get to that is this all there is point and they're only 25, you know, and, and, and it's like the, the realization that, um, and, and not just, you know, is this all there is, but it's, it's, this isn't what I learned in school and, and not in the school was totally unprepared, but why was I taking all those anthropology classes or archeology span classes? And I'm out here digging holes. And, and the answer to that is, is the stuff you were learning in school is for later in your career that it, it's setting the foundation, the theoretical foundation um, and, and methods of running the projects, doing the planning, doing the interpretations and, and applying it in the broader archaeological record uh, scope. It's, it's not, you did not get, nobody got a bachelor just so they go out and dig shovel tests and find tiny bits of glass and rock and, in, in, in a quarter inch mesh screen it's it's you know that although although some people do just enjoy being field techs it's it's oh they do and, and that's fair. and and that's fair and if that's what you enjoy and, and you can make it financially work I, I you know there are no problems with that and in fact you know there is something to be said about people with a hell of a lot of experience that if they're actually smart about it and they are continually working to improve how they do their field work. Um, they can be really, really, really good and, and really worth hiring and, and hiring at a premium. Um, you know, because they save a lot of headaches. On the other hand, you get, a, you get people who do, aren't really reflexive about how they're doing their field work. And they just go out there and they pump out holes and then they go home. And, and you know, so... Uh, it's kind of all across the board and some people just want that you know some people just want to clock in do some work get paid clock out and you know we all have, we all have different interests well so, let's move on to the last question then because this <laughs> this might tie into what your uh uh you you might have something to say about this um that's related if you could give an undergrad thinking about crm uh or archaeology as a career whatever that means uh one piece of advice what would that be Ah, uh, one piece of advice. That um, one piece only. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the hard part. Um, you know, honestly, I, I would say either the don't get disheartened by the the first few jobs you have out, um, because they are entry level, and 
you know, nobody, everybody walks out of the bachelors thinking they're, you know, they know all this stuff and then they end up field deck and like, you know, what am I doing? You know, this isn't what my, this is what my schooling, you know, taught me. This is, you know, it's boring and it's hard and, and it sucks. And, and, you know, and, and I, I, I think that's the main, you know, take home lesson is that you still start at the bottom and, and that's okay. Um, and, and I will, you know, like anecdotally, my friends who weren't anthropology or archeology span students were complaining about the same thing out of college. And, and it's like, you know, our education sucked. We didn't really learn anything that applies in the real world. And it's like, no, you did. Um, but that doesn't mean you're not still starting it at the bottom run. And, yeah, that that might be it. I, I think I was originally going to say something about field schools, but um, I think that might be it. <laughs> All right, sounds good. That's usually the last question, but you uh, you have an online presence, so I'm going to ask you this uh, following question: Where can people go on the web to find out more about what you're doing or keep up with you're doing? Uh, like you've got your blog and your Twitter handle. Yeah, well, I have a uh, blog or Tumblr. Uh, whatever they call it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, 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 oh man, how many times have I talked about this? It's, you know, it was ostensibly about doing archeology span and still is. Um, I, I keep playing with the idea of like, you know, kind of revamping it and doing like a process 2.0. Um, but then there's also a Twitter, Twitter account, which is process arc, um, arc with a CH. Everybody pronounces that arch. I don't understand that part. Um, but uh, I, I actually, I don't really talk about work though. Um, and and actually, that came to an interesting conversation I had. I was meeting up with um, another um, tweeting archaeologist uh, who lives and works in Calgary, and he's like, "I was desperate to find out, you know, a little bit about you, and there's like nothing on your blog." <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and yeah, so um, as, as far as finding out what I'm doing and probably Twitter is a little bit better because I, I do kind of drop the curtain a little bit more. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that I, I think that the blog is more kind of like side venting about what we're doing on a whole. And, and I try to keep it away from um, – specific work um and and i try to keep it from being too personal because it's it's not meant to be and i don't want to scare off you know both past employers and potential employers by like you know venting about employers or employees or um clients or any of that stuff that um that you know in, in talking about methods and you know, just how we're doing archaeology. I, I think that we can. It's totally possible to kind of um, make it a little bit more abstract without naming names or um, that sort of thing. Um, it, you know, my blog's not meant to be a public archaeology blog, so I'm not meant to be talking about, or I'm not intending to talk about like individual projects or um, specific historical things um, so much as the way that we're dealing with these things. 
Show notes for this and all episodes can be found on the Archaeology Podcast Network website at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash profiles. At that page, you'll also find a form that you can fill out so you can be interviewed on the show. Interviews take less than 30 minutes and you don't need any special equipment. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the field. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.